0: Well, good morning, Green Bay First. Thank you, Becky. I could tell you some stories about your elder, but I won't. I don't think. Your pastor and his wife are taking a few days off to visit family over in Iowa. You have an incredible pastor and his wife in this church. We we love them and we appreciate them and the work that they're doing here in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and here at Green Bay First. And I encourage you to pray for your pastor, pray for his wife, and for their family. It's, uh, it's a burden often, and, and, and they carry a lot sometimes, and they don't share a lot of that, but they love their church, they don't share a lot of that, but church. they love each and every one of you, and they pray and support and love your pastor. Title of the message is, Born Once, Die Twice. Born Twice, Die Once. This, uh, I call this, I have have 10 sermons that I have that I said, these are 10 sermons every church needs to hear. And this is one of them. So I've got nine left, so Pastor Matt's going to have to ask me back a few more times so you can hear the other nine messages. This is an important message, how you respond to it, how you answer the questions could determine your eternal destiny. And maybe some of those people that you love, that you live with, work with, go to school with, are neighbors with, it's important that you listen very carefully to the message this morning. I think it was about seven or eight years ago, there was a movie out called God's Not Dead. Do you remember that? And uh, Mercy Me sang the uh, title song. It was a, it was a great song. And I was thinking about that, God's not dead. I think probably all of us, I would hope, here this morning, believe that God's not dead. We believe that. But we need to do more than just believe, don't we? Jesus said even the demons believe, and they tremble, by the way. So the question for you and me this morning is, where does your belief take you? How deep does it go How does it impact your life? Does it take you deeper in your faith, more in love with Jesus, and your belief in what the Word of God says? Put the is the title up there. Put it back up there if you would. Everyone, say after me: Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. You know, we never really know how we're going to cope with death until we come face to face with that reality. I mean, you might be full and I might be full of a lot of confident answers to other people when they deal with death with maybe them coming up or someone in their family who has died. But when the phone rings and you answer and someone says, are you sitting down? Or you may visit the doctor and he says, "Uh, I've got some bad news from your test and I think it's the worst possible kind. It's not unusual then for confident belief to slip a little bit as we're dazed by that question, why? Why me? There were two sisters in the Bible who lost their beloved brother and neither one of them could understand why and when they asked the question to the person who could have prevented it, this was his reply in John chapter 11, a couple of verses. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he said, do you believe this? It's a good question. How would you answer that? If you're a follower of Jesus, do you believe this? Do you believe it enough for it to make a difference when the day comes when someone that you love is dying or dies? Or maybe you yourself someday get out of bed for the very last time. Do you believe in others enough to tell others what Jesus has said and taught? If you're not a follower of Jesus, how does your worldview cope with death? What hope do your beliefs, what hope does your philosophy offer you in the face of death? Listen, folks. These words of Jesus are either the greatest con ever, or the defeat of the greatest enemy ever, and that is death. The rising from death to life of a man called Lazarus recorded in John chapter 11 assures us that it's the latter, and it's a great account from God's Word. And I want you to hear this exciting story. It's a long portion of Scripture. My wife is going to come and read it for you. I want you to listen very carefully. Let's say this prayer before everyone say this prayer. Father God, I declare by faith that my mind is prepared, my heart is ready, and my spirit is excited. I say my spirit is excited to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days, and then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble. For they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. That we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she ran out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, once more deeply moved, with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, By this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him.
0: Amen. Jeannie, didn't you do a good job? A lot of scripture, amen. (laughs) Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. Unless you're Lazarus or the little maiden that Jesus also brought back from the, from the dead. The purpose of the miracle, why, why this miracle at this place? One of the things that we read that it is for God's glory. Jesus is east of the Jordan when this news is brought to him that Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, is sick. It says in verse 4, when he heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. It's going to reveal God's glory and the power is displayed. It's going to bring glory to God the Father, the Son Jesus, and also the Spirit of God. And Jesus makes that same point to Martha, doesn't he, just before he does the miracle in verse 40, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see, he said, the glory of God. So one purpose of this miracle is to reveal God's glory, and in this case, it's his power over death. I think the miracles of Jesus are really interesting and really cool, especially if you're teaching them to young children, maybe in Sunday school or kids' church. They have a lot of modern ways to do that these days, but when I grew up in this church a few years ago, we had these things called flannel graphs. Uh, this is ancient history. I should show you pictures of this. But then they had these little pictures that would stick on that flannel graph, and they would tell you the stories of that. And they had these little shoeboxes, and they put these little figures in the shoebox, put the top on, cut a little hole out there. And we used to look at those things, and, and that was really cool, us as, as kids. And, of course, they had Viewmasters. you remember those? Viewmasters, click through those various stories. Those were really cool. That took it to a whole, whole other level. Some of those were pretty intense, actually. But uh, kids love to act out those stories. Sometimes with adults, I think there's more of a tendency to focus on the teachings of Jesus rather than his miracles, especially this one. See, the Sermon on the Mount can seem safer ground than someone being raised from the dead. It seems more plausible, seems more acceptable to the skeptic. Many adults need to learn these true accounts of Jesus' miracles because God's glory is revealed not only in Jesus' words, my friend, but also in the works that He did. Can you say amen to that? It's also for. Can you say amen to that? For our faith, Jesus says the purpose of the miracles is for our faith. In John 20, verse 31, we're told that the miracles are recorded so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. The miracles provide a foundation for faith. Reasons to believe, as we've seen here in chapter 11. And just after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, this is what he said in verse 45, Therefore many of the Jews who came to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. In other words, said, had faith in him. They came to faith based on what they saw Jesus do. So the miracles were not just for the benefit of those who didn't believe in Jesus, but also for those who did believe. Because he's speaking to the disciples in verse 14, he said, John 11:14. 14, he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you might believe. That was always the issue. Remember when the man asked Jesus to heal him and Jesus said to him, Do you believe? Remember what he said? Yeah, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. Disciples believed. Well, yeah, they did. Eh, but they didn't. Their faith in Jesus needed to be developed and grown and matured and deepened. It needed stretching, and it needed strengthening. We see this very clearly in the two sisters, Martha and Mary. They both say exactly the same thing to Jesus in two different verses, 21 and 32. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They both believe that if Jesus had arisen, he could certainly have healed Lazarus. They believe, but they don't believe that he can raise him from the dead. Remember when Jesus went to heal that little girl and they sent someone out to him, they said, don't bother, she's dead. Don't bother coming. He said, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. When they got to the house, they said, she's dead. He said, no, she isn't. And the Bible says they laughed him to scorn. See, we saw the miracles. We, we can believe that. But the dead, rising from the dead, even when Jesus rose from the dead himself, there was doubt, wasn't there? and unbelief. Verse 39, Jesus says, take away the stone from the tomb. And Martha tries to stop him. She says, by this time, Lord, there's a bad odor. He's been in there for four days. She believes, but her faith has limits. Martha says in verse 27, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. And so she does. But she has a limited view of what that means. Messiah who can heal the sick? Yeah, right. Messiah who can raise the dead? Uh, I don't know. This perspective, folks, on faith should make us ask two questions. Number one, do I have faith in Christ or not? And number two, if I do believe in him, is my faith growing? Miracles of Jesus serve to bring people to faith, but also to stretch our faith. Everyone say stretch our faith. It's like a muscle that needs to grow. It needs to be strengthened. But for that to happen, the Bible says, it needs to be tested. It needs to be stretched. It needs to be put under pressure. So you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the resurrection and the life? What can your Jesus do? He raised the dead. Do you believe that? Do you believe it enough for it to make a difference when you're facing death? Or someone you love very dearly faces death? You see, to prepare us for this, God puts us in situations to stretch our faith and to make it grow. Why does he do that? Because he loves us. You read in verse 5 that Jeannie read, Jesus loved Martha. She loved her sister, Mar- uh, loved her sister Mary and, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stays where he was for two more days. Kind of sounds contradictory, doesn't it? If you really love them, why the delay? Why let Lazarus die I think he did it to stretch and strengthen their faith that's what I think how many of you know that faith doesn't grow in the sunshine hmm it grows when it's being tested isn't it let me read a couple of scriptures to you from first Peter chapter one I don't like to read these verses very often personally but I'll read them anyway 1 Peter 1 6. So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. Even though you have to endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Being tested as fire is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole, whole world. Love the tests? Be joyful? When we're going through hard times at work or home or ill health, we might ask with frustration like Mary and Martha, why the delay, Lord? I've been praying. Why don't you intervene if you really love me? Have you ever thought that God might be allowing some of those things in your life precisely because he loves you and wants to strengthen and deepen your faith? (laughs) See, the ultimate test of faith is death itself. When one day you're told you have a month to live or you get a phone call saying your mother, your father, your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister, your child has died in the days that follow, you need a faith, folks, that is strong and deep. But it doesn't grow up overnight. It's the result of years of being tested, and matured by other lesser hardships and challenges. And I propose to you that the trials you might be going through at this moment are for your good, so that your faith may grow. And you know, quite frankly, to be able to really cope with death when it comes. I read an interesting article about weight training. You know, being the great weight trainer that I am, can't you tell that I'm really developing muscles here? Remember the name Arnold Schwarzenegger? Whatever you think about him, he had an interesting thought about weight training. This is what he said. You know, when you're lifting all those weights up maybe 50 times or whatever times, he said the last three or four repetitions when you're doing weight training is what makes the muscles grow. This area of pain divides the champion from someone else who's not a champion. That's what most people lack having the guts to go on and just say they'll go through the pain no matter what happens. I thought that was an interesting parallel. Muscles grow through painful testing. And so does faith. Everyone says so does faith. Let's look at the significance of this miracle. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life The one who believes in me will live, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? The first part, I am the resurrection, is explained in the rest of the verse 25. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. In other words, they die physically. As the resurrection, Jesus promises life beyond the grave for those who trust in him. Remember the old TV series, Fame? I want to live forever. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's promising life with God beyond the grave. An ultimate physical resurrection to a new life in the age to come. That's pretty exciting stuff, I think. And that's not just resuscitation. You know, a person has a heart attack or whatever and they fall over and, you know, the CPR people or whatever, they work on them and, and, and try to resuscitate them. They weren't really dead, but they were getting close to it. Jesus said, this life beyond the grave is only for the one who believes in me. This is interesting. It wasn't just automatic, this promise of life after death, the defeat of death. Remember what Jesus said? This life beyond the grave is for the one who who believes in me. Listen, as a minister, even as a person, I've been to many, many funeral situations. I've officiated at many funerals, gone to many funeral homes. Listen to people talk about the person who left. Some of them I knew, some of them I didn't. Just going sometimes, you know that, because you were related to or you're friends with or neighbors or whatever. And you might hear things, well, you know, at least Fred is at peace now because he's in a better place. Well, That's not true if Fred had nothing whatsoever to do with Jesus when he was alive. It assumes that everyone qualifies for this promise that Jesus talks about, regardless of whether or not they have trusted in him. That's desperately sad because it's totally wrong. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said, the one. Everyone say the one. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. My question to you this morning, are you the one? Are you one of the one? I am the life, Jesus said, the second part of his claim. He explains it in verse 26. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So in what sense do those who believe in him never die? Well, physically, yes, of course. Followers of Jesus will die like everyone else. At some point, Lazarus is going to die again, and there would be another funeral. But the Bible talks about the second death, which is the lake of fire talked about in Revelation chapter 20 and 21, the second death of eternal judgment. The Bible calls it hell, and it's a much bigger problem than the first death. But those who trust in Jesus will never die in that sense. Someone has put it this way, hence the title of the message. If you've been born only once, you're going to die twice. But if you've been born twice, that is physically and spiritually, twice, that is then, you'll only die once. Why does Jesus say, whoever lives and believes in me? Well, it's self-evident. You have to be physically alive to believe in Jesus. But he's talking about everyone who lives not just physically, but spiritually through having eternal life. Those who trust in Jesus, for those who trust in Jesus, eternal life begins right now. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you've given him your life, you have eternal life. You have it right now. Jesus said in John 24, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. If you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've already crossed over. From death to life, folks. Without this eternal life now, if we don't have it now, we're just existing, just filling in time on this planet, no different than the animals who roam around. Jesus is offering both life before death and life after death. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? He gives you life now and he gives you life later. He gives life. Well, the evidence for the miracle support Jesus' claim is pretty convincing, isn't it? Lazarus was definitely dead. I mean, you look at the explicit expressions. Verse 39, Martha, the sister of the dead man, refers to him being dead. Look at the time in the tomb. It said he'd been there for four days. Lazarus was dead and buried. Not only had he been there four days, but he was wrapped, his hands and feet and face, he was wrapped in these cloths. Look at the many mourners. Verse 19 said, Many Jews came to visit Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother, the intense grief of the mourners. Verse 33 makes it clear there's no doubt in anybody's mind. Lazarus is dead. Verse 39, Martha says, By this time, Lord, there's a bad odor. He's been there four days. This time, Lord, the King James Version says, He stinketh. I think that's the word he uses. In the hot climate of Palestine, decomposition would happen very, very quickly. Lazarus was dead, but he was also definitely raised. John 11, 43, when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said, take off the grave clothes and let him go. It was probably in an area where there were other tombs. Think about this. Why did he say, Lazarus, come out? Why didn't he just say come out? I'll tell you why, because every tomb there, everybody would have come out of the tomb. Everyone who was dead in the area would have come out. He said, Lazarus, come out, such is the power of Jesus' commands. His enemies did not like it. John 11, 47, 48, the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Oh, yeah, would that that were true. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Yeah, take away your power and authority. If even his enemies acknowledge this miracle, that's pretty strong evidence, isn't it? How could they deny it? A large crowd witnessed it. Verse 45, it records that many of the Jews who had seen it believed in him. It was a public event. John 12, verses 1 and 2 says this, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, this is after the fact now, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. If your dinner was given in Jesus' honor, Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. I wonder what that conversation was all about. I know Jesus was the honored guest, but I had a feeling because I'm thinking if I was invited to that, I'd probably hang around Lazarus a little bit and ask him some questions. You know, what was it like in heaven? What was it like to be in paradise for four days. You know, like the old Carmen song. You know, all these saints there, like Abraham. And Abraham's telling them some stories, you know, like, hey, God called me from this country and he brought me over here and made all these promises to me. I heard his voice. Moses said, you know, God spoke to me in a burning bush. Told me to go and lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And David says, I was a shepherd boy and I got called to be the king over all of Israel. and Solomon says God said that he'd give me wisdom and discernment and, and, and to lead and guide these people. And someone says, hey, who's this new kid on the block? What's your name? And he says, I'm Lazarus. And you know what? I was Jesus' friend. He actually came to our house and he called my name Lazarus. I was a friend of his I knew him face to face and you guys didn't he would actually say my name Lazarus Lazarus yeah he would say my name Lazarus 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 come out come forth I wonder what that was like back to earth that must have been quite a conversation with these people John 12, meanwhile, a large crowd of of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. He rose from the dead and they want to kill him because, on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. (laughs) What an account! I'm looking forward to talking to Lazarus about that someday. And you know what? When Jesus takes me to heaven, I don't want him to come back. <laughs> I don't want him to call me back. You probably don't want him either. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Everyone say will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Jesus said, do you believe this? If you're not a follower of Jesus, this invitation is to put your trust in Jesus, and it goes out to you today. Who else can tackle the death problem for you other than Jesus? If you've only been born once, you're going to be born twice if you don't, You're going to die twice if you don't put your trust in Jesus. But if you put your trust in Jesus and are born twice, born again by the Spirit of God, as he said to Nicodemus, you'll only die once. Give your life to Jesus if you haven't. Do it today. Don't take a chance. Listen, we have no guarantees beyond this present moment, do we? We read accounts, sad accounts. We hear it in the news. The question is, are you ready? Am I ready? Are we ready to die? That's the question. If you're a follower of Jesus, do you actually believe what Jesus is saying here? And do you believe it enough to tell others? And do you people about it? People who are struggling? People who are without hope? To give a word of hope that you have? Do you believe it enough to allow God to strengthen your faith through testing times without turning your back on him? And will you allow that testing, maybe painful testing, as bewildering as it may be, will you, with God's help, see it as preparation to build your faith for what's coming? When your loved ones and you yourself are called to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, will you put your hand in his? Will you trust him to walk with you through that darkest valley and bring you out on the other side to heaven, to paradise? I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads for just a moment, folks. And just think about the words today. See, my question to you is, have you been born twice? Because if you've only been born once, you go into eternity, you're going to die again, and it's going to be horrific, and it's going to be eternal. That's why Jesus came, to die on the cross, so that you can be born again into a new life with a promise of eternity with him forever and ever. And I want to make sure this morning that you have put your faith and your trust in Jesus. And if you haven't, I want to give you an opportunity to do so right now. You haven't been born twice. You want to give your life to Jesus. You want to put your faith and trust in him. You want to do that this morning. And you'd like for me just to pray for you as we close the service. I'm just going to ask very quickly. And I'm only going to wait about a half a minute. I'm not going to wait long for this. I'm just going to ask for you to raise your hand, and I'll acknowledge it. And then you can put it down again. Yeah, I see a hand in back. Yeah, I see some hands. Over. Yeah, I see a hand in back. Anyone else? It's gonna wait fifteen more seconds. Yes, in the back, I see that hand. This is a big time for you. You may never again feel exactly like you feel right now. And if God's talking to you, just raise your hand and make that commitment. Ten more seconds. Five more. Raise your hand quickly if you haven't. Many people have. Four, three, two, one. Thank you very much. One more question. One more question. Say, Pastor, I've really been wavering in my faith. I've been going through some hard times and I'm really wondering, does God really know? Does he really care? Are these things really working out for my good? I've been struggling with that, Pastor. I really have and I'd like to be remembered in your closing prayer today. If that's you, would you raise your hand so I can see it? You're just struggling with your faith and the things you're going through. I see hands are going up all over. Yeah, God bless you. You can put them down. Listen to me carefully. The Bible says, you can look at me, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And as the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. So everyone pray this prayer after me, would you, to encourage those who've raised their hand. And maybe you wanted to, you didn't, you were afraid, but I want you to pray this prayer with me, and we're all going to do it together. After me, pray this prayer. Father God, in Jesus' name, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Forgive my sins. Take my life, Lord, and make it everything that you want it to be. I give myself to you, body, soul, and spirit, and I'm going to walk with you from this day forward, living my life for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a clap. They're in heaven. They're rejoicing right now. Amen.